0: From Olsen Entertainment Group, this is Who Wrote That Book, where we interview authors and learn more about their life and work. Fall in love with your favorite story and author all over again. I'm Laura, and on this episode, how Zoe Sivak restores history in her debut novel, Mademoiselle Revolution. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay,
1: serious. (laughs) Not really, kind of.
0: So serious?
1: Like a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. A little serious. I'm a dramedy. That's, like, my general vibe. It's, like... I really, love really, that. Like, it's normally quite mm-hmm. serious. Mm-hmm. However, I'm remarkably funny. So <laughs> You are that. already. Stop. So, <laughs> very funny. And then I will, like punctuate everything serious with something incredibly hilarious. Oh my god. So, yeah. I'm very excited for this interview. <laughs> well, good, because I set myself up for failure. <laughs> I, I just said all of this and I'm like, what if I'm off today? What if I'm <laughs> off? Oh God.
0: Okay. Oh my gosh i'm here. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm like trying to trying to get to this is the start of a pretty pretty serious question.
1: Oh, um, I can I can
0: switch? Track. Let's let's change that. <laughs>
1: Let's Not thing, you
0: know. Right, I know. Gotta the dramedy. I love that the dramedy. <laughs> the
1: dramedy. <laughs> <laughs> this is already a dramedy. This entire <laughs> right. this entire interview. It's like, so when did you recognize race as a concept? And then it's just like, and that's when I slipped on the banana. <laughs> like it's just like it, a little bit, uh, a little bit of
0: chaos. Ooh, okay, first question. Okay, this is gonna be so hard to go serious. <clears throat> no, no, it's serious. We're I know. Serious right now. <clears throat> So, I did a little stalking before. I <laughs> slipped on the banana. In a moment, <laughs> I did a little stalking um, before this interview. And I saw. So you're currently pursuing your juris doctorate and your master of public health. That is a hefty
1: schedule. It is it hefty, Well, you know, and I have to be transparent. Mm-hmm. I actually just graduated. Uh like literally oh, congratulations. Like, oh. oh my Thank gosh. You. I walked in May, but now it's like done. It's over. I have to just finish the, the like internship part. Yeah, it's over. Wow. It's done. It's over with. Now it's just mm-hmm. some alphabet soup at the end of my name. But yes, <laughs> I did. I went to law school and I got my degree in public health. I wanted both. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, alphabet soup. I wanted to be Zoe C back. Mm-hmm. A B C D E F G. <laughs> just like endless. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, I did it in, I live in Philly, so I went Mm -hmm. to Drexel. um, And uh, I like working in healthcare, specifically hospital policy. Uh, My focus is maternal and child health.
0: So that's what I do. Oh my gosh, I love that. Maternal and child health? Oh, that is a dream.
1: Is it? it? Yeah, It's a (laughs) housecape here in this country, but I love what I do. I love her. Too. Do you work with babies and stuff like that? Like no, no, baby. So, well, it depends. So, I'm right now. I'm interviewing with Chop. So, we do everything. Uh, Chop is goes from. I'm sorry. If, I don't know. Do you live in Philadelphia? Where do you live? I don't. In- I'm in Utah. You're in Utah.
0: <laughs> You're in Utah. I know, but I lived. I lived on the East Coast. I've been to Philadelphia many times.
1: Okay. So, so you know what I'm talking about. yes, right. well, yes. Chop is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and so I'm actually been interviewing with them. So fingers crossed. But there's <gasps> lots of other hospitals here and they do everything from fe- fetal medicine to, to teenagers. So I, uh, oh my, my focus has normally been mate- uh, maternal health, but mm-hmm. I also am pretty good with child health. And uh, that just means anything relating to hospital policy, how the doctors um, kind of navigate medicine and some of the explicit and implicit, um, let's say factors that go into, go into healthcare. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like to do. Um wow. and, and they uh I've been told I will be paid. So <laughs> that's really the most vital part of that equation. Literally. <laughs> You're like that's literally why I went to school. <laughs> that's literally why I went to school mom and dad my eyeballs. <laughs> oh <laughs> my
0: god. <laughs> Seriously, how like okay, so where else did you go to school? And did you what? find is that where you found your
1: passion of writing? Or was so, that early on? Or? No. Uh, so I know a lot of folks were like, oh, like, I started writing when I was, like, five. Nope. Yeah. Um, I read. I was always a voracious reader. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, um, like, I wrote for, you know, school. I was a strong essayist. I mean that seriously. I, I do very well with, like, mm-hmm. academic writing. Totally. Um, but uh, I started writing because I went to school Woman Mary down in Virginia. Um, it's a... Anyone's familiar, it's our mm. oldest college building in the United States. Uh, the mm. Wren Building, beautiful, look it up. <laughs> um, but anyway, great, uh, pretty intense school, but I, I loved it there. And I actually met my best friend, Amanda Foody, uh, who's a fairly prolific author, uh, fairly, extremely prolific author, uh, but more mm. emphasis on um, YA. Uh-huh. And so she is the opposite. She's sort of been writing since for as long as she could write. Um, and so she got an agent, I believe, at eighteen. And so I was watching her do all of this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> right, <laughs> my mentality was like instead of being like, "Oh, that looks so fun," was like, "I'm not competitive. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna do this just to try." And I did. Uh, and so I wrote a book. Um, and I wrote another one, and I got my agent, Amy Bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so basically, I was watching Amanda, you know, and all of her successes and her love for this. Um, and all the stress and all the joys and the triumphs and the frustrations, you know, when you're with someone through all of that, it's like, well, I may as well just, you know, <laughs> and then fortunately I had a knack for it. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, uh, yeah. And I have always, I've always almost exclusively read historical fiction. I really don't read outside that genre unless it's, you know, a really specifically topical book, mm-hmm. uh, or nonfiction. So, uh, you know, I, um, I read what I, I wrote what I love to read. So I love that. <laughs> It was an easy decision, and uh, I'm kind of grateful for that and for her all the time.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is so cool. You're literally best friends with this intense author, and you're like, I'm just going (laughs) to join the party.
1: (laughs) She's going to really appreciate that. That's so cool. Like, she's this crazy person. Yes. She, no, I mean, she literally (sighs) was like my, she she was (laughs) just my guiding light. Literally, the book is dedicated to her. Um, oh my gosh. Her, I a little play off of the title of one of her books lighthouse but she um but now she like just guided me it was super helpful mm-hmm. um and and i yeah i i'm grateful for her and grateful for what she kind of introduced to me because i think publishing can be you know as much as we speak about you know how inclusive it is and it, it, it is but like if it's hard to know like law school right you don't know that it's something that's possible until Either it touches your life in some personal way, some parent or a friend, uh, and then all of a sudden it's this whole part of the world that you didn't even know existed. That was really cool. That's a great way of explaining that. I, I <laughs> do write words for a
0: living. It's been like, like, known. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew this, but <laughs> I do not know if you knew this, but like, I
1: think that's like, I didn't know. I just right. wrote a book. <laughs> so I know, but sometimes I'm, so, I'm such a narcissist. Like mm-hmm. I'll say something, and I'm like, "That was like, all right, I'm not gonna lie to you, people." And then I'm just like, "Let me just, Heck, yeah, get the old notes app." <laughs> right? I've literally done that. It's so obnoxious. No way. No, like, not during conversation, but like you know, I'm just right. like, so that's how that's how it all happened. And uh, again, mm-hmm. happy that it worked out the way that it did. Slightly chaotic, mm-hmm. slightly busy but again it's my life and i don't think i would exchange it for any other exactly you made it you did you've done a lot i made it you made it from carol party made it <laughs> what, did you, what did you make we made it we so just happened. made it that's it you're in utah maybe you don't know what i'm talking well you've been on the east coast maybe um, you've seen it i don't think i don't think i have You've never seen it. we made party? it? We made it. No, oh I haven't no. seen that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not making this up. I promise you, it is oh, definitely no. a thing. White girls at a party. It, it's it's an unearned sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I love joining in it. It's just like, oh my god, <laughs> we did it. And it's like, what did you do? Nothing. Just it's just the alcohol makes you feel really confident. Um, which, you know, I have I think my best writing is mm-hmm. like one glass of wine deep no so way I, I would say i would say one glass of wine deep oh been,
0: my gosh not like not like
1: mm-hmm. being drunk I, right. right you can do anything like drunk no I don't like, you <laughs> know, but like one drink you know one drink mm-hmm. it, it's not it doesn't make you more creative it's just it's just out you know it's just a it, you know it's a depressive so it just mm-hmm. makes you calmer um and i find that because my mind may be a little bit kind of it's spinning and in an overactive I find it's helpful mm-hmm. one glass of wine and you're just like oh my god calm <laughs> cool. I Classic.
0: can see clearly now I can see clearly <laughs> you know literally <laughs>
1: and, and I'm on chapter seven and it's great. <laughs> um but that I will occasionally mm-hmm. whip out you know this mm-hmm. MR or Memozo Revolution I was I was, mm-hmm. yeah I, I would have you know something that I felt the vibe you know <laughs> a good French bread <laughs> Please know, most of my success has been found sober.
0: I was going to ask. So I love, again, on the stalking part, I read that this is what you said. (laughs) I love this, how you said that you're writing, when you write history, historical fiction, Mm -hmm. um, it includes a woman who probably have existed next to these historical male figures and things like that. Right. Because I know I've definitely thought that myself. Like had the thought like, I wonder what his wife was like or like a girl, you know, a girlfriend or something like that. I really like, yeah. Yeah. I I definitely
1: you know, my niche, my the you know, the the space that I feel that I enjoy writing from mm-hmm. is and I don't think anyone has an obligation to educate a reader, right? And that's mm. not, we don't all read for that purpose. Some books, I'm not going into the space because I, I want to learn something. I'm going in purely for entertainment, not that education can also be entertainment, but you get the point. right? Um, and um, I think that for me, it is important that I teach the reader something that because that's normally where the ideas for my book come from. I mm. learn something that I find is so incredible and so interesting that I'm like, <laughs> Got to write a book about it. Yeah, it uh, literally let it go, put wings on it, and, and let it soar. I do that, and normally it ends up, you know, fitting into a framework of women that were, you know, obviously had agency and had real power and real influence. None of that has to be invented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just go from there. Um, I, I think that you know we we think of these historical moments as existing in vacuums and not being heavily influenced by the people and the cultures around them Um, and history, while it has a distinct name to certain, you know, differentiate it from the present, um, people haven't changed. Um, The things that drive us haven't changed. Um, People are still jealous and and joyful and murderous and loving and all of these things. So I I like to fully break down these big historical beats um, by, you know, not only using it from a a space of, of, traditionally a minority, um, either a woman, a person of color, or both, um, or, you know, a queer person, which, again, is a modern concept, but I think still, um, it, it feels like I can offer a more complete picture of maybe a past that someone has only kind of viewed almost through a lens in a museum, as opposed to something that... It, it, you know, on the timeline of our existence as a species. I mean, we've been alive for 300,000 years, more or less looking exactly like this um, and thinking the same way and feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like to try and, and make that feel intimate and genuine and sincere so that that distance, that weird emotional distance that we put between ourselves and the past can be broken down. So that ends up just becoming, you know, a woman and, and, and then a normally a powerful man because history mm-hmm. um, um, and unfortunately history has almost always been um, construed by powerful men. So I think a, we can humanize them and, and kind of take them off of their pedestals while also kind of restoring the, the fuller picture of womanhood, femininity, queerness oh, yeah. diversity all of those things
0: i love that i love how you explain it it's like a very gentle kind of like restoring history you know yeah. we're including everybody i love that thank you of thank course you. yeah i was obsessed when i read that i'm like this girl knows what
1: she's talking about <laughs> i love that so like she doesn't who knows she knows she knows know. <laughs> thank you i know that's what i'm like, Go see that Historical fiction writer. She so ends. cool. Uh, she knows. Uh, <laughs> she made <no>. it. <laughs> yeah. oh, Sorry, I had to ring I had to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> it was it was an opportunity. <laughs> no, and you took it again. I we need that. That's these are the women I write about. The women <laughs> that seize opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, so
0: I have to ask, how long right. did <laughs> how long did your research take? when you were writing this book? Because it's very in-depth, like so
1: much detail. Okay, good. I'm glad, no, well, I say that because I spend a great deal of my personal fun time researching random esoteric elements of historical, the historical past, right? I love that. Or, you know, the things people ate, all of these things. However, in my writing, I find that, again, it comes back to that same theme of putting distance between us and the past. Getting a little too fixated on things like manners and the little cultural quirks of a specific time period, like how did they curtsy, or or how did they, you know, what how, what utensils did they eat use? And unless it, I think, meaningfully informs the scene, I don't describe something. Um, like, would it have, you know, does does your bra meaningfully inform? you know, this conversation, right? you know, like, no. So why are we talking about their underwear? Right. You, know, I, you know, and I don't mean that because, because they're underwear, like, no, like I, mm. you know, I'm, I'm more than comfortable talking about anything and everything. Um, but in if it doesn't inform them in a meaningful way, why, you know, why am I going to waste time and, and a word count on mm. like, she, you know, her foot crossed behind her ankle and she swept into a deep curtsy. Like, okay. How deeply do you think about shaking someone's hand? You don't right, you don't think critically about it, they wouldn't have thought critically about that either. Um, so I, I, you know, my research, you know, I'm what I research is, is specific to what will inform the plot um, and inform the way they navigate their lives. So does that shorten my research? Not at all. Um, and like I said, I still, the, the things that I, you know, find and, you know, I, I can talk about 18th century, century pencil manufacturing, like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but um, it probably took me to actually answer your question, Um, I mean, it depends on when you define a book is finished, which I think is, you know, (laughs) a a book isn't truly finished until you can't touch it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from beginning to end, you know, I started, it probably took three years of like when I would say the, you know, the book was written, but I was still, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. adding. But in terms of, I guess, substantive research, all the substantive research, that's probably, I'm actively writing, but it was probably a year when I would say I was still adding substantive elements of like, okay, I had to look this up. Um, I'm fortunate in that, like, I spent a significant time Mm -hmm. in the history department. And so I had a lot of working knowledge going in as well. Um, so, you know, I'm working on another book where also I have substantive knowledge, but not as much because it's in a different country. I I speak some French. I've, I've lived in France. I'm familiar with France. I, you know, I've taken French courses, I'm I'm familiar with its history and its people. So, you know, I I didn't have to look up who Maximilien cospierre is. Like, I know who he is and I I know those types of things. But maybe my research would be more informed. I need exact timelines. Or, you know, I I didn't know all of his, you know, his siblings. So
0: um,
1: I think every book will demand a different flavor of research. Um, And I think for... The front for the French Revolution—it was all about the timeline. Um, getting the timeline accurate. I'm a real stickler about trying to make things accurate. On a t- like, if I'm going to change something, it has to have been forced like uh, possible because, you know, we don't have a record that they were in this place. So this could have, been happen. you know, if I change when something, when something happens, that is very rare and it's really very specific. Um, you know, in, in, the, uh, in another book I'm writing, you know, the research is very different. Um, I find that I'm researching people um, a lot more intensely you know, what, what did they, what did they eat? What, uh, what was their personality like? You know, I find for MR, it wasn't quite like that. It was a lot of, I knew their personalities. I kind of, we we had these larger than life men. Um, And then the women, because we don't have as much, I got to inform them myself. So Mm -hmm. I think every book kind of demands a different amount of research and a different labor of research i think is what i'll say
0: oh my gosh okay wait i want to backtrack you lived in
1: france oh yeah it was just <laughs> so, yeah so i, I no video no, no no it was so it was only That's for like so a cool. during my study abroad because i was in england and wow. then um, I lived in France for a little over a month, and and then you know you have French friends from in the states, and like you just you know mm-hmm. I've been speaking French since I was like ten. Oh and, my gosh! You know, like academically, so it's not real fluency; it's it's academic. Fluency. <laughs> um, I can read it, but having a conversation with someone, if they're drunk, then it's much easier. <laughs> um, If they're Canadian, it's very simple. If they're French, if they're continental (laughs) French, you to be drunk. It's very difficult to understand somebody. Um, They speak way too quickly and you have no idea what vowels they're talking about. You know, I loved, I love France. It's a wonderful country. It's kind of, again, I think when you know a lot about a space, it's more like a love-hate thing. There's a lot of nuance to their history. Hence, mm. I wrote a book about it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, I love France. I think that there is a reason why um, people have kind of a very unique romanticization mm. of um, But I think that's also can be harmful. You know, when we look at these historical um, beats through rosy glasses, we aren't being fair. We are being dishonest and we are... We are we are we are taking something away from the people that actually lived in that time and suffered and hurt mm-hmm. and 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 whose lives were lost. Um, and then if you wash everything away, all of the nuance and all of the real meaning and the messiness um, and the dissonance, and you wash it away, you know, to something that you think is maybe easier and more digestible, you're you're washing away lives and lived experience, and that's 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 inhumane, that's cruel. So mm-hmm. I, I tried to that's another reason why I kind of wrote the book the way that I did. I wanted to the French Revolution is fascinating, but it was I, I it resonates with me. I remember talking to the students and the you know French students and I remember asking them, I'm like, you know, how do you or in, in French, I I asked them, sorry, if that was about, <laughs> No, that was cool. But I, <laughs> but I was like, could you you know, how did you all characterize the French Revolution? You know, mm-hmm. what you know, what is how is it taught to you? And because in the United States, sometimes we kind of, I think, put it in a similar space as like ours, as like you know, Revolution, yeah. like you know, the people. But when I talk to them, they immediately understand. I I'm think, le terreur, terrorism. It's terror. It's terrorism. Mm-hmm. It was terror, and it was. Um, I think that's the first thing you should think of when you think of the French Revolution is terror. And so that's why I, I, I did promise this would be serious,
0: and I said, <laughs> and uh, but yeah,
1: so so. I I love that it does add a little je ne sais quoi, it does add something Mm -hmm. when you're culturally, maybe not like personally, like not French French in that sense, but like Mm -hmm. you speak the language and you love the nation and you love that like it does touch you in a different way when you're writing a book because like right now I'm writing a book that's I'm not like from I, I don't speak the language. Like I can be polite, but like I don't speak the language. I don't. You know, I haven't lived there. I've only visited. It's not the same. It's not. Sorry, a cat has oh into the. My oh, my oh my
0: gosh! Oh my gosh! Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: he just does not care what you do. He's like um <laughs> uh, But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! That was literally amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. so, so, but it's like, I love, but I love it for different ways and I Mm -hmm. connect to it for different ways. So, um, but it is, it was special, I think, writing the the French book and getting to research the French book.
0: Wow. I've had the thought, well, it's not, it wasn't our revolution. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? We had no idea. And it's
1: like, it's, it, you know, our our revolution obviously inspired revolution all across. It it created a a groundwork, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Haitian Revolution was was informed by a lot of the ideals that were happening in France. A lot of the language of revolution actually comes from France and then informed the the future U.S. as well as saint or, or Haiti. Right. Um, a lot of these nations that that liberated in, in the coming centuries. I mean, it was hugely important. But what happened in France? I, I mean, it was. The one good thing that many historians will say this, I, and I do believe it's true, that probably the best thing that came out of the French Revolution was the metric system. That that's what? that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's, that's so interesting. Yep, the abolition of slavery, abolition of slavery didn't stick. Uh, Napoleon got rid of that pr- almost immediately. All of the more egalitarian, feminist, um, gender parity. Got rid of that when Napoleon, came, you know, all of these things yeah. that you would say, oh, you know, you know, uh, like, you know, equality, fraternity, liberty, all of these mm-hmm. concepts, they were fleeting. And unfortunately, while the language had staying power, we didn't actually get to reap the benefits, I would say, immediately proceeding. The, the French Revolution. So it's like it's hard to say if, was it a success, you know? Right. I would say it wasn't. Uh, I I would say that unfortunately, what it did is it left it left a scar. It left. A, sorry, there's a cat that on the screen. Um, <laughs> it left a, a really deep social wound.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a great phrase, and I'll probably butcher it. I won't say it in French, but he, mm-hmm. there's uh, uh, one man who did survive, and he says that anyone, and I to get the years incorrect, but he says any person that survived between the years of, years of 1789 and 1795 knows the true value of living because it's to have survived during that time. I mean, in, recently in the United States and in the world, we've all felt mortality so acutely, right? We, we've all been thinking about history in such a present way as we live through what we believe to be monumental events, but people have felt this way before. And that's not to trivialize what we're feeling, but to say that mm-hmm. that, that feeling of helplessness Right and and mortality and feeling like our lives are out of our control—it's very scary—and yeah. uh, and that's how the people felt in the French Revolution because you see kind of radicalism. Um, well, that radicalism is a little funny. It's about freedom, right? <laughs> but it but it was <laughs> freedom at the end of at the end of a blade. Yeah, kind literally. Of. Yeah, very bloody, very very murderous freedom. So it's like mm. there's a lot of dissonance there because you're like, oh, you know, freedom and liberty. You know, we love these expressions, but then it's in the hands of people that they're they're exercising more out of rage and less out of say what we would consider democracy or like real liberation so it's but that's really for the reader to i think piece through because yeah. we get to see kind of the beginnings of it in haiti and then you know the readers are familiar with the united states and then the readers will become familiar with france and it's like you see these three different revolutions happening mm-hmm. and it's like you know is it's not really so much like who was right or who did it best or who was the most entitled to that freedom. Everyone's entitled to freedom. Everyone deserves it. Um, But it's, you see, you see the language that people use and the methods people use. And it's just, I think it's worse. It's worth discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the right way to have a revolution? We looked at that at BLM, Black Lives Matter movement and everyone, you know, what is the right way to protest? And it's, it's funny people trying to, you know, don't destroy property. And it, it, you know, these these things that, that people will invoke mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, you're thinking about property as opposed to the fact that people were property. Um, and, and so I think it's important to contextualize protest um, and contextualize revolution, um, because say we would diminish and belittle the BLM people that are opponents of it. And, and and maybe not recognizing the trauma and the economic and social loss of the racism causes on the black community. And then say, in the same breath, would look at the French revolution and say, oh, view the front, like, look at that. Those were patriots, right? They, they weren't just destroying property. I mean, they were burning buildings down, but they were lynching people. They were They were brutalizing neighborhoods I mean just absolute cruelty right so so that's like that's it i don't know what question i was answering when i said all of that <laughs> uh, but those are the things i was thinking about mm-hmm. uh, you know when when i look at you know capital in my mind like capital r revolution and lowercase r revolution important things to
0: ask yourself yeah and i think you brought up a lot of really great points where like you just said capital r lowercase r there's different differences in extremes in revolutions because it's, it's an important thing to talk about and acknowledge in history,
1: you know. And it's it's hard. I think it's hard to you know maybe if you haven't even had the privilege of learning about. It, I didn't you know learn about the Haitian Revolution until right. I was in college, um, and that's started this book. You know, mm-hmm. so it's I think it's important. To, you can get a better sense of self and a better sense of your own country and your own history by seeing what we're happening at the same time. And when you learn that our history is. They're, they're interwoven, they're adjacent, they intersect, right? It's not like one was happening alone and the other was happening alone. These people, literally, the men that started the Haitian Revolution, they had just gotten back from France. They had oh talked to the goodness. same men. Like, they had just talked to the, you know, Vincent Anger, the man that's executed in the beginning, he had oh gone goodness. to France, to the General Assembly, to say, literally, give, you know, men of color the right to vote. He had literally gone there, petitioned, came back and got executed in Haiti and started oh the Haitian goodness. Revolution. So it's like... You know, all related. So it's 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 empowers yourself and empowers your own view of history when you can try to put everything together. Right.
0: It really does. History is really important. It repeats itself, and I just hope we don't see that kind of you know brutality in our lifetime. I don't. well I don't. I don't think it'll. Uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking it,
1: out loud. Maybe. No, it's okay. And I know, you know? It, it's hard to not have those questions. Yeah. Right. And right. Uh, but And unfortunately, for a lot of people, that brutality never went away. Um. Mm-hmm. Limited to certain groups or um, smaller moments, um, and it may be not as as massive as is what we're used to maybe seeing to make it important. Right. Um, this brutality, unfortunately, doesn't really stop. Um, it just you know capitalism will do that, and racism will do that, and mm-hmm. classism will do that. And unfortunately, you know, as as we move forward in in our country, we we're seeing that the who gets brutalized and who gets who feels kind of that boot, the heel of, of, you know, the weight of all of those isms, right? Capitalism, right? The the group that's getting crushed under that weight starts to get a little bit bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. (gasps) It's it's black women and then it's black men and it's like, okay, it's most women. It's like, okay, and now it's also poor women, regardless of weight, right? It starts to get, right? right, More and more people get included under the boot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you do see things like capital R revolution. So, Mm uh, that's a legal discussion. Uh, We are talk (laughs) really deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's more of a uh, legal discussion about like, you know, but, um, I'm, I'm glad though that it makes you kind of pause and it makes you Mm -hmm. think, um, about what's the straw that breaks that camel's back. Right. It's so hard and it's easier when we're, you know, hundreds of years later, we can say, Oh, it was this factor. And in those moments, like, you don't know, just like right now you're thinking like, what, what does it take Mm. for or for things to tip over because when you're living in the moment and all of these events just keep seeming to happen this terrible tragedy and this terrible tragedy and this terrible tragedy and then all of a sudden something maybe does happen it doesn't becomes obvious after like well of course it was going to happen then (laughs) you can't know that you know you can't know that in the moment you're just living in terror you're just scared so i i that's i'm glad that And I hope that that's how people read the book, that Mm -hmm. like, it may seem like a afterthought now, but in those moments, it's not history, it's just your present, right? You're just living your life. You don't know what's gonna happen, so.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Who Wrote That Book featuring Zoe Zivak. If this interview literally has not showed you how awesome Zoe is, then you got to (laughs) re-listen. I hope you enjoyed her insights as much as I did. You can visit her website at zoezivakauthor.com to learn more about her and her other books as well. You can also follow her on Instagram, Twitter, and Goodreads, which are going to be all linked in the description of this episode. Follow us on Instagram at Book to be updated with upcoming episodes, behind the scenes, and more. Share the love, as always, and leave a review. It helps me know what you guys are thinking about the show, and it helps us to be easier to find on all streaming platforms as well. We'll see you guys later on Who Wrote That Book, hosted by me, Laura.